my sermon, if you're taking notes, is called Striving. Strive or Striving. I don't know if you guys got your notebooks still from the retreat, but take notes as you have stuff to do so. Um, how many of you have ever struggled to do the right thing? Anybody? You guys ever struggled to do the right thing? John struggles to do the right thing all the time. <laughs> he hears me. He's not happy about it. How many of you ever struggle following Jesus? You guys ever felt like, man, this is too hard. I can't do this. This whole Christian thing, it's real difficult. I just, why bother? I keep screwing up. When I was in high school, which was really long ago, it really wasn't. How many years ago do you guys think I graduated? No, not 15. 20? <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> it's 10 years ago. 2010. Caitlin and I both graduated the same year. I'm not that old. I'm going to be 30 in years. But when I, was in, when I was in high school, I figured if I simply kept myself from sinning a bunch, if I just did the right stuff, you know, do all the things I was told to in church and by my parents, I figured that I mean, that was what God wanted. That's what he wanted me to do. Don't get me wrong. God obviously wants you guys to live a life free from sin. He wants you to live a life of righteousness, doing the right thing. He doesn't want you living in sin. So yeah, that part of it is true. But to simply try and not live in sin in order to just make God happy, that's, that's not what he wants. That's, that's not what's going to make him happy. That's not what's going to bring joy to his heart. To simply try and not sin ever in order to make God happy is impossible. Like, you're not going to do that in your strength. It's impossible. Who here has ever tried to do that? Anybody? <laughs> I know I did. It doesn't work. You end up falling on your face. Eventually. If we could simply live the perfect life in Jesus, do you think he ever would have needed to come? If we could simply live the perfect life, What's the point in him coming and dying on the cross? You thought about that? I believe the reason a lot of people give up on Christianity or living a life for Jesus, I believe a big reason for it is all because they are striving to be something that they can't. They're striving to be something that they can't be. They're striving to be Jesus rather than striving for Jesus. I'm going to bring this down here. You guys are too far away. <laughs> They're striving to be Jesus rather than striving for Jesus. Now let me explain it this way. I looked up the word strive. What do you guys think of me? Can you guys give me some definitions? What do you think the word strive means? Pushing towards something? Okay. Anybody else? I'll give you the definition in a second. But I want to know, what do you guys think it means? If I say striving for Jesus, 
dressed as pushing towards something. Pushing towards Jesus. Pushing towards him. What do you guys think? Is that a good definition? I think it's a pretty good one. Now the dictionary Webster's defines it as to devote serious effort or energy. So striving towards Jesus, striving for him would be striving would mean devoting serious effort or energy for him. You're trying to receive him. That's the prize you're after. Another definition, dictionary.com says to exert oneself vigorously or try hard. Anyone that's in sports understands that one, right? You guys ever had to exert yourself vigorously? Maybe. Parents ask you to help move the furniture in the living room? <laughs> Maybe that one, right? Grace, with your competitions? With rodeo? What have you guys ever strived for? To make strenuous efforts towards any goal. So it implies that there's, there's something you're trying to get after. Something you're trying to receive. Something you're trying to grasp. A goal that you have in mind. We don't want to strive after nothing, right? Or else we're just exerting energy for no reason, right? That wouldn't be recommended. <laughs> but we're meant to devote serious effort or energy in our faith. Do you guys believe that? Is your faith supposed to require you to put energy into it? Put some effort into following Jesus? What do you guys think? It takes effort, doesn't it? Anyone who's been in the faith long enough knows, man, this is hard. This takes some effort. This takes some, some energy on my part. I believe for many of us that energy and effort is misplaced. Instead of striving for Jesus, we're putting all that energy into striving to be him. We're, and do you think that works? Well, I would argue no. Have you guys ever tried to be Jesus? Tried to be perfect? I mean, that's who he was, right? Jesus was perfect. He lived the perfect life. Nothing he did was wrong. He, he says in the Gospels that he only does what he sees the Father doing and he only says what he hears the Father saying. I believe that a lot of people were striving for the wrong thing. It's possible to be striving for the right thing, Jesus, and then we get off track in trying to be him. I know for myself that that's happened. Let's check out the scripture. I got a reference for you. I got a few of them, Gregory. This one's going to be New Living Translation, Galatians chapter 2. Well, guys, when I read this, it, it really impacted me. I read this and I'm like, man, I got to like read that for years. <laughs> guys, this is so good. Galatians chapter 2, verse 17 and 18. And then I'll do 19, and 20, 19 through 21 after that too. So this part it says, New Living Translation, But suppose we seek to be made right with God through faith in Christ. 
That's what we're supposed to do, right? Nope. Galatians chapter, oh, it might be chapter 3. Did you do 2? Oh, Galatians chapter 2. Should be Galatians 2. I'll check myself with my phone. <laughs> chapter 2, verse 17. Yep, that's the right one. So it says, but suppose we seek to be made right with God through faith in Christ. That's what we're supposed to do. Being made right in Jesus is through faith in him. And then we are found guilty because we have abandoned the law. Would that mean Christ has led us into sin? Absolutely not. Rather, I am a sinner. If I rebuild the old system of law, I already tore down. Let me explain it this way. Paul is explaining that we are made right with God through faith in Jesus. That's where our faith is supposed to be in, in Christ alone. But if we feel guilty for breaking the law, even after repenting, it's because we keep trying to rebuild the old covenant that Jesus got rid of, that Jesus did away with. We're, we're saying, Lord, I trust in you. I put my faith in you. And then we try to live a perfect life without him, in our own strength, doing it in our own way, and just trying to do all the right things. You guys ever heard people tell you, oh, I'm, religion is just about rules. That's all it's about. Religion, it's just about doing all the do's and avoiding all the don'ts. Well, this here says that that's not the truth. We keep trying to rebuild the old covenant that Jesus did away with. It's a striving to be Jesus when we don't have to be. Guys, Jesus is a lot better at being Jesus than you are, or I am. Amen? I'm terrible at being Jesus. So I just decided not to be anymore. But Paul goes on to say the next few verses, verse 19 through 21, For when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me. You guys know what the law is? Old Testament, it's Ten Commandments, all the, the things God told the people of Israel to do. When I tried to keep the law, it condemned me. So, I died to the law. Meaning, I stopped trying to meet all its requirements. So that I might live for God. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless, for if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. Think about that, guys. If we could do everything right, Jesus never needed to come. So, if Jesus did come, then we can't do everything right in our own strength, right? So my question for you is, have you been striving to? Have you been striving to be Jesus as opposed to striving for him? 
striving to receive him. The good news of the gospel is all in the fact that Jesus came to live the life that we couldn't. To live the life that we were unable to live. He did the impossible so that we could be the impossible. Think about it. I'll say it again then. <laughs> he did the impossible so we could be the impossible. And what do you guys think that impossibility is? What? Anything. Guys, without Jesus, we were hopeless. There was no chance for salvation. There was no hope for us. But Jesus came, he did the impossible, lived a sinless life, died for our sins, was resurrected from the dead, so that we could be that impossible righteousness of God. We could be the righteousness that this world needs. You know, it's not righteousness in our own effort. It's not righteousness in our own strength. Because our righteousness, in Isaiah, it says our righteousness is as filthy rags. I'll get into that in a little bit. You guys will cringe when I explain to you what it really means. But striving for Jesus is where our energy needs to be placed, not striving to be him. We don't need to carry the weight of trying to be this perfect person because he's the one that perfects you. You're not the one that perfects yourself. This is what Jesus had to say about it. Matthew chapter 11, New Living Translation still, Gregory. Verse 28 through 30. Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30. It says, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. Who's heard this scripture before? Anybody? It's a pretty common one. All of you who carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. Don't try and teach yourself. You're just going to screw it up anyways. <laughs> I know for myself, if I try to just teach myself, it's a lot better when somebody who knows it teaches me it, right? It tends to go a lot better. But let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy to bear, and the burdens I give you is light. We are meant to be different. We're meant to be different from this world. Amen? That's true. We can't go on living the same life we lived before Christ, but the beauty of it is that the weight of being perfect, the burden of being perfect, isn't on you. You don't have to carry that. That's Jesus' responsibility to perfect you, to make you more like him. Our responsibility is to, to strive after him, right? To strive for him. Not to strive to be him. He's the one that changes us. When you say, you, Jesus, perfect me, because I've tried, and it's getting me nowhere. <laughs> Guys, there's such a freedom that's found in that. There's such a relief that you feel when you say, this isn't, this isn't on me to try anymore. God, I give it to you. You take me and mold me and shape me. You're the one that knows how to do it. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through 3. This one's in the 
NIV, not the NLT, says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. This is how I explain the last part of this. Fix your eyes on Jesus. If you're ever growing weary and losing heart in your faith, because you got your eyes off of Jesus. Fix your eyes on Him. Set your gaze upon Him. Striving after Him. If I were to do a track meet, and I were to run, and you're supposed to stay in your lane, right, Cole? If you're going to be in a track meet, you can't be jumping into other lanes. What happens if you are? You get disqualified, don't you? You out. Now, if I'm watching the person up in the stands, people cheering me on, am I looking at them? Is it going to be easy for me to stay in my lane? No. Obviously, as well as if I'm looking to things that are distracting me. Am I going to be able to keep running? Guys, if you're checking out that lady in the stands that you're hoping they're watching you, instead of doing what you're supposed to be doing, you're going to trip and fall, go into the other lane, make that person trip and fall. It's going to be a disaster. Right? Especially if she's looking at you. And you go, oh no! And then you run into somebody. <laughs> but guys, if you stay set on the goal, on the end prize, that's how you stay in the lane. You need to move. <laughs> Already. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus, striving after him. He's the one we live by. He's the one we live for by living through because of the life he lived. Let me say that again. He's the one we live for by living through because of the life that he lived. Because of the life that Jesus lived, what's that? Jesus is the one that we live for by living through, through him, because of the life that he lived. Tongue twister, huh? But think about it. He's the one that we're living for, right? You're not, we're not living for ourselves, we're living for Christ. Christ in me, that's what Paul said. And we do it because it's Christ living in me. And it's all because of the life that he lived for us. The life that he lived has power because it was the perfect life. And he died and was resurrected. So be striving for him, amen? Philippians chapter 3. Now this is a pretty big one. Gregory, chapter 3, verse 3 through 10, New Living Translation. Paul gives an incredible personal testimony to encourage us in this passage. Now this here, this, when I read this, this is what, I'm like, okay, Lord, this is what you want to speak. And this lines up perfectly 
with what Cyrus shared. And Cyrus was reading out of Acts 20, verse, I think it was 22 through 25, 22 through 24, I think it was. Um, and Paul was saying, I'm on my way to Jerusalem because God is calling me there, not because I want to go there. Or Jesus is calling me there, so now I do want to go there. Because I want to do what God wants me to do. And he says, I don't know what's there for me, other than hardship, other than thrown in jail, other than persecution. It's going to be difficult. But I count my life as nothing for Jesus. I, I count the life that I want to live, my own desires, as worthless and garbage compared to living a life for God, doing what He wants me to. So check this out. For we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort, though I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could. Indeed, if anyone has reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. Basically bragging about himself. Saying, listen, you think you've done the good life, the perfect life? Check out my life. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. That's a mouthful, right? Basically, let me summarize it for you. Paul's saying, I've, I've tried living the perfect life. I've tried doing everything right. I've tried living the exact perfect way that I felt was what we're supposed to do. It didn't work. Compared to knowing Jesus, it's way better. <laughs> I would rather know Jesus than to go back to my old self. Go back to trying to do everything right. Because it, it doesn't work. I really like where he says, for God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. Have you guys been trying to do things God's way? Or have you been trying to do it a different way? Because what way do you think is going to get you righteous. Is it going to be God's way or a different way? I would argue it's going to be God's way. Your righteousness is dependent on faith in what Christ did for you, not what you do for Christ. 
your righteousness is dependent on faith in what Christ did for you, not what you're doing for Christ. Now, does that mean that we're not supposed to do anything for Christ? <laughs> no. <laughs> Obviously, we're supposed to do good works, right? The Bible says, show me your faith by your works. But here's the thing. Your works aren't what save you. Doing the right things and doing everything for God isn't what's going to bring salvation into your life. It's not what's going to bring righteousness on you. Trusting in Jesus to make you righteous is where that comes from. That he has made you righteous. Jesus has made you righteous when you put on your when you put your trust in him. Let me give you an illustration. You guys are probably wondering what this is for, right? Who's been seeing this up here and going, why is that jacket up there? Anyway, Corwin, Cyrus. This here was my wedding attire, just the jacket, <laughs> not, not the rest of me. <laughs> no, 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 that would be weird. No. So this is the jacket that I wore for my wedding, for our wedding, right, love? There's nothing like putting on a fancy suit. There's nothing like putting on new clothes. Who here loves to buy new clothes and wear them for the first time in your life? Oh, yeah. I look good. Right? When you buy new clothes, they feel weird, you said? Yeah, to me, I, I wish they could have that feeling all the time. What about new shoes? When you get something new to wear, you're like, man, I want to wear this every day. And you guys get new clothes for the new school year, and you're like, I know exactly what I'm wearing, because I want to impress. I want everybody to notice me at school. The funny thing is, everybody's doing that, right? But you feel good, right? You put something amazing on, it makes you feel good. It makes you feel amazing. You guys feel that way? Yes? No? You guys are quiet. When you get new clothes and you put them on for the first time, how do you guys feel? I know for myself, I'm just no bit saying. <laughs> Hopefully I don't have any. <laughs> well, here, you can pull this scripture up. Gregory, Isaiah 61, verse 10, New Living Translation. Guys, this, this is who we are in Christ. This is who you are. When you put your faith in Jesus, when you're striving for him instead of just try, trying to be him all the time, but you're just letting him be him and do what he needs to for you and with you, letting him perfect your faith instead of you trying to perfect yourself, this, guys, this is what it looks like. And this is why I chose to bring this. I could have brought something else. But I'm like, no, I need to bring that. So pull it up. Isaiah 61, verse 10. I am overwhelmed with joy in the Lord my God, for he has dressed me with the clothing of salvation and draped me in a robe of righteousness. I am like a bridegroom. In other ways, I mean, we don't really say bridegroom in our culture. We just say groom. 
bridegroom dressed for his wedding or a bride with her jewels. The ladies get dressed up too, right? More than anything. The lady wears the wedding dress. I don't know what that feeling's like. And I never will. <laughs> I shouldn't ever know what that feeling's like, really. <laughs> but guys, yeah, you're going to wear... The Bible says he clothes us with a robe of righteousness, right? That's what it says right there. He draped me in a robe of righteousness. I am like a bridegroom dressed for his wedding or a bride with her jewels. Didn't have to say the dress because that's obvious, right? <laughs> but there's, there's this connection to it of, I know for myself, and you guys I hope one day will know this, on your wedding day, you're like, man, I look good. You know you look good, and everyone is telling you you look good. And you feel that way. Right? Right, Caitlin? Right, McKenna? John? On your wedding day, you're like, man, I'm the stuff. But for the guys, you're like, I'm kind of the stuff, but she's the stuff. <laughs> she's what it's all about. Everyone stands up for her when she comes down the aisle, Right? They didn't stand up for me. <laughs> That's right. I get her, so I'm fine with that. <laughs> but, guys, that's, that's that feeling of you come to know Jesus. Careful with them shoes. <laughs> I know for myself, when I made that choice to no longer be trying to perfect myself, but allow Jesus to do it, when I said, God, I'm yours. You do with me what you want to, because you're going to take care of me way better than I will. That freedom of giving your life to Jesus, and this is what I felt, an overwhelming joy in the Lord my God. John, did you feel that way? You came to know Jesus. You're like, it's better than your wedding day. You're like, man, I feel good, and I look good in the eyes of Jesus. That's what matters. Now, there's days that go on past that, where you start to feel down in your faith. You start to feel defeated. You're like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. Are you, have you gotten your gaze off of Jesus? Are you no longer striving for him, but striving to be him? The enemy wants to, to get you to that point. He wants to try to, to trip you up and say, you, you screwed up. You messed up. God's unhappy with you. You totally failed there. You sinned big time. You, there's no way you're going to make it into heaven now. But guys, that's not the gospel. That's not Jesus. Putting your faith in Jesus is this. It's that feeling of overwhelmed joy in the Lord. Knowing that your sins are forgiven. His grace is enough for you that empowers you to walk out the life He has for you. Are you walking in that grace or are you walking in your own strength? It would be like for myself, feeling awesome and then I'm like, you know what? Get rid of that and put my old clothes back on. I'm not going to wear that anymore. I'm going to wear my old rags instead of my new robe of righteousness. 
Now here's here's what the translation of what filthy rags, like I said in the beginning, is. The Bible says our righteousness is as filthy rags to God. And that's our righteousness without Him. When we try to strive to be Jesus, it's filthy rags to Him. And that filthy rags, the interpretation of it is used tampons. It's nasty. That's what it is. Filthy rags. It's so gross. But really, that's, I mean, God's saying, I gave you a robe of righteousness. Walk in that. Don't keep putting on the rags of your old life. Don't keep trying to be righteous for me. I've put righteousness on you and in you. Allow me to live through you. Allow me to empower you. And you might be thinking, how do I live this life? How do I live this way of, this kind of life where I don't do it myself? That I put my trust in God. And I don't feel this exhausted by any means, but I've got three ways that can help you. Number one is remember who you are in Christ. Remind the devil when he tries to trip you guys up. Because there's going to be times where God's going to, God's going to empower you to move forward, you screw up, and the devil, he tries to capitalize on it. He tries to hit you hard with guilt. He tries to hit you hard with shame. Make you feel like you can't do this life. A life for Jesus isn't for you. You're never going to do it. You're just going to keep failing. But Ephesians 4, verse 24, New Living Translation. Ephesians 4, 24, Gregory, says, Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Guys, when you put your faith in Jesus, this is you. But each day you've got to remind yourself of that. You've got to remind yourself. You've got to put on that new nature. You've got to say, no, this is who I am. I'm created to be like God. That's who he made me to be. To be holy and righteous as he is. Jesus says, be holy as I am holy. Be perfect as I am perfect, as your Father is perfect. The way you do that is in trusting in him. Galatians 3 Verse 26 and 27, the NIV this time, says, So in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith. For all of you were baptized into Christ. Have clothed yourself with Christ. You've got to put on, put on Christ like you put on new clothes. You've got to put on Jesus. That's right. Put on the new self. But guys, that's what it is. It's what you've got to do. The same way you put those new clothes on to go to school for the first time, you're like, hmm, I look good. And I know it, and I want everybody else to. I want everybody else to see that. In Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. When the enemy is attacking you, when the devil is coming at you and saying, nope, this isn't for you, you say, no, it is for me. I am a child of God. I am in him. Christ is in me. I have faith in that. I believe in that. It says, All you who were baptized in Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. And the next one I have for you is don't dwell on screwing up, but on doing what pleases God. Don't dwell on how you're, all the things that you're not supposed to do, 
Let me put it this way. Don't think about a pink elephant right now. Don't do it. Don't think about a pink elephant. Are you? Yeah. Don't think about a pink elephant. What are you thinking about? Pink elephant? You got a pink elephant in your mind? <laughs> You're thinking about at least an elephant probably, right? You got one in your head. You got one in your mind. You're like, gosh, dang it. Stop thinking. No, stop thinking about the pink elephant. Well, how do you stop thinking about it? By thinking about something else intentionally. By focusing on something else. If I tell you not to think about that thing, the way you combat not thinking about what you're being told not to think about, because audibly what you hear, your mind gravitates toward. What you're hearing, your mind steers that way. It goes that way. So if you focus and think on what pleases the Lord, when, you, when you're being tempted to do something you shouldn't, like disobey your parents maybe. Anyone struggle with that one? <laughs> Think about what pleases God, going, obeying my parents. That's what I should be doing. Taking out the trash, yeah, that's a good thing. Because our house won't stink anymore. I know that for myself. Dirty diapers is stinky. But don't dwell on screwing up, but dwell on doing what pleases God. Paul says to think of heavenly things. Think of things that are worthy of praise. Think of things that are good. That's the stuff to focus on. That's the stuff to dwell on. Here's a scripture I got for you. Romans 13, verse 14. NIV says, Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. I've just read three verses, all in different books of the Bible that say, clothe yourself, put on this, like clothing. Think there's a theme in the Bible? Clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. It says, don't think about what you shouldn't do. Focus on what you should. Focus on the good things, the things that are worthy of your time to think about. When you get those thoughts to come at you of doing something you shouldn't do, the Bible says to take every thought captive, submit it to that of Christ. And that's how you do it. You say, well, what does Christ say? What does Christ want me to do in this situation? Now here's the big one. Number three, carry God's presence with you wherever you go. I went on a missions trip to Mexico a while back. This is like nine years ago. <laughs> it was a while ago. And on this missions trip, one thing that God spoke to me was, Take me everywhere. He, he wanted me to write it. We had these little flags. They had the flag of the ministry that we were with. And we were supposed to go spend time with God and ask him what he wants us to write on. So take me everywhere. He had me write that down. Take me everywhere. So why, why am I supposed to do that? God, I don't feel like I'm supposed to be a missionary going around the world. I'm not wanting you to take me everywhere. <laughs> and he was saying, no, this is what I'm saying to you. Take me everywhere. Everywhere you go. Everywhere you go in life. Take me to school with you. Take me to work. Take me to your friend's house. 
Guys, do you carry the presence of God with you wherever you go? Because we're the temple of God. The Bible says that we now are the temple of God. He doesn't dwell in a building anymore. He dwells inside of us, inside of his people, his church, which is us. That is where the presence of God dwells. He dwells with his people. He says, to me, take me everywhere you go. Do you guys do that? The New Living Translation of Romans 13, 14. You can pull that one up, Gregory. Just switch the translation. I like how it says it. It says to clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus. I love how it says that. Instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, and don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. Guys, I know for myself, when I'm in the presence of God, when I'm allowing His presence to be around me and in my life, when I'm conscious of it, knowing that Jesus is with me, guys, it's way harder to, to give in to sin when I'm in the presence of God. It's way more difficult for me to indulge those evil desires because my gaze is fixed on Him. My eyes are fixed on Jesus. I want to do what He wants me to because I want to be with Him. My whole focus is striving for Him, not striving to be Him. Do you guys do that? Do you allow yourself to bring the presence of God wherever you go? When you are clothing yourself with the presence of the Holy One, it has a way of bringing holiness into your life. Let me say that again. When you're clothing yourself with the presence of the Holy One, it has a way of bringing holiness into your life. Bring Him everywhere you go. Bring His presence with you. In a lot of ways, I would say, know that his presence is with you, and wherever you go, you're bringing it with you. As long as you're choosing to strive for him. When you enter into a room, is there a change in the atmosphere? Or does the atmosphere change you? Because when God's presence went places, when God's spirit fell places in the Old Testament, like, nobody could stand. Everybody noticed. You couldn't ignore it. <laughs> I looked up pictures, and I, I don't have one for you, but go check it out in your own time. The presence of God falling on the tabernacle is this pillar of fire coming out of the tent. I mean, it's like, you can't miss it. <laughs> like, what is that? Imagine if there was this pillar of fire shooting out of our church during the nighttime. How crazy would that be? It would catch people's attention, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would be nuts. The fireworks catch our attention on the 4th of July. The pillar of fire, this massive column that looked like a tornado of fire. That'd be crazy. Yeah, it would make that fireball that shoots off now the end of the fireworks look like nothing. 
But what's our goal? What's your goal? It's striving for what? Striving for Jesus, not striving to what? Be like Him. Yeah, we're not striving to be Him. I mean, we're supposed to be like Him, right? That's different. That's right. The more you're around somebody, the more you get to be like Him. How many of you guys talk like Caitlin now? <laughs> Sucks to suck, right? <laughs> the more you're with somebody, the more they rub off on you, right? Now, God's perfect. He never changes. So who's the one that's going to change? He's not going to become more like us. It's going to be the other way around. Spend time with him, you're going to become more like him. So that's, that's what I have for you guys. Who are you striving? What are you striving for in life? Are you striving for Jesus? Or is it something else? Let's pray. And then we'll get into groups here. God, I thank you that we don't have to worry about perfecting ourselves because you're so good at it. God, that you're so good at working on us. And the biggest thing you ask is for us to just put ourselves in your hands. Allow you to do what only you can do. God, I pray for all of the youth here, the leaders, everyone in this room, that we would be a people that are striving for you, to know you. Like Paul says that everything else is counted as garbage. It's worthless compared to knowing you and being yours. My life is nothing, like Cyrus shared before, before my sermon. My life is nothing compared to just doing what you want and giving it to you. My life isn't my own anymore. It's yours. And God, I pray that we would, uh, we would remember who we are in you, who you say we are, the life that we have in you. When the enemy tries to attack us and come at us, telling us we're unworthy, we can't do this life, there's no point in carrying on, we're just going to keep messing up, that we remind ourselves who we are and allow you to mold us and shape us into your image. In Jesus' name, amen.